0: This is a psalm of David, and, uh, you know, as crooked as this is on the screen, that's the way my brain feels. (laughs) He said to love your enemies, didn't he? Pardon? Didn't Jesus say to love your enemies? He did say to love your enemies. So, but, so what does it mean to love your enemies? Because that's one of the things we want to actually address at some point. Because what are the, the five distinctives that I pointed out of Christianity, and we did four the other night, and I know Robin's waiting, because he forgot to, what are, what are five distinctives of Christianity, things that endure, things that are characteristic of being the image of Christ in the world? Faith. Hope. Faith. Hope. Love. Love. Mm-hmm. Truth. Truth.
1: Truth. Oh, those are the same four we already had. Mercy.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how about grace? grace. Yeah. So, so grace is an outworking of love, but it's also uh, an essential character of God. He's gracious, right? Mercy. We know that because He uses that in describing Himself—gracious and merciful.
2: So, what are the five? No one comes unto God without mercy.
0: So the five would be? <laughs> Faith, hope, love, Faith, hope, love, truth, truth grace, grace. Grace. Right? So <clears throat> that's what uh, Paul is asking us uh, to embrace as a Christian ethic. Right? So we're working through Ephesians. And we're, uh, who can tell me in, in a real broad stroke, How Ephesians is organized. Sit, walk, stand. Pardon? Sit, walk, stand. Sit, walk, stand. And so how does that translate into the the divisions that we would expect to see? Where's the sit division? In your identity. Sit in your identity. What chapters do we find that in? That
2: would be chapter one and seven two.
0: And and five. And three? Maybe so. We we see the first three chapters as um, describing who we are in Christ. So it's a theological treatise, right? Theological writing. So where do we see the walk part? Four through six. Walk? Pardon? Four through six. Four through six nine. Verse nine. Yeah. In that, um, what that has to do with now that we know who we are in Christ? Now we should walk. According to that calling, right—that there is a, a Christian ethic, a behavior in the world that is is uh, the expression of our identity, right—and then finally, we need to take a stand, sit, walk, stand, and we see that in the last last few verses of the of the uh, the letter. Daniel,
2: the organizational structure is really interesting, being that when you think about. Standing and walking, you think you'd have to stand before you walk, <clears throat> but in this case, you have to walk before you stand because you have to become mature before you can stand firm in the day.
0: Right, and and I think you actually uh, characterized it there when you said stand firm, or stand fast, and you actually see that in. Uh, and I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit to to help expand on that. So if you look at chapter 6 verse 10 says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might so you have to grow up in christ being strong in the lord put on the full armor of god so that you be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil so there is an adversary who we do want defeated and when that triumph occurred all of the angels in heaven cheered those that stand with God. All those that um, are faithful and true to Him cheer at the defeat of the adversary. Right. So when you're talking about aren't, aren't we supposed to love our enemies? Um, well, there is an enemy who we are not to love in the sense of um, wanting to be like or wanting to... They can't receive grace or mercy. the or... Right. So, once separated from God for eternity, there is no grace, there is no mercy, there is no loving kindness. That's a pretty, pretty uh, bleak reality, and yet it's true, pardon? Be a bad place to be. be. Now, fortunately, where we stand in God's kingdom and economy, um, we have opportunity to both turn to him, which is what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm um, 143, so this is a psalm of David, and he's like wow, he's pouring out his heart here and he's asking God to answer in God's faithfulness and righteousness and to be um, gracious and merciful, right? Do not enter into judgment with your servant for in your sight no living is righteous? No living man is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. Right? So we do have an enemy that is persecuting us. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. When I read that, it's like, you know, there are mornings I wake up. That's it. That's the way I feel. Um... And that's what David's doing. He's pouring out his heart at the unrighteousness that he sees in himself. But the good thing is, is that he <laughs> sees that because he sees God's righteousness. Right? So he's looking to God, which is why he sees the place that he is truly in, and that humbles him. Right? He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the works of your hands. So he's thinking about God. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. That's, that's the place that we get to when we're convicted of our unrighteousness and we have this incredible yearning and desire to be present with God in His righteousness. We actually thirst. You know, that Psalm 42 talks about how the deer pants for the water brooks. Right? That's, that's the same kind of longing. <clears throat> And then he says, answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Right? That's that's the way sometimes our life looks. That we're in this place of, man, I'm just underneath the load. That's what it feels like. But what we want is we want God to not hide from us. We trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. And that's what we're now looking at in chapter 4 and 5 in the first part of 6 in Ephesians. Teach me the way that I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So he's making an appeal to the Holy Spirit, which we understand that Paul has a real passion for people to understand what it means to walk in Christ, to walk in the way of the Lord. And that he knows that that, the strength of that is in the the, uh, empowering of the Holy Spirit. We see that in other letters of Paul as well. So we're studying Galatians on Friday night. And, and Paul's really upset because people are being tricked into not leaning into the Spirit and his strength, but, but are leaning into the, the world in a way of righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, which is no gospel at all, right? And he has that same passion here in Ephesians, that we would um, essentially put on that full armor of God, And he describes what that is, which is the empowering of the spirit. So when we look at, uh, you know, and and you obviously can tell why I picked this psalm this morning, because it's about um, teaching the way in which I should walk, teaching to do your will. And that the result of that is that we are revived. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. So if you've gotten to this point in Ephesians, as you're reading through and you're understanding your identity in Christ and what he's about doing for you and in you, right now, how do we cooperate together with the Spirit? how do we walk and that it's not in your strength but in God's strength that we do this and yet we keep thinking that it's our strength that we need to pick up this this load of righteousness and come underneath it right that's that's not quite the way it works it's more a a, a collaboration between us and the spirit so when we talk about the work of conversion conversion occurred it was a a point in the past. And we understand that from John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, talking about being born of the spirit. It was something that occurred It's a punctiliar point in time, and sometimes we refer to that. I was saved in August of 1976. I think that's what it was. And uh, so, you know, I'll go it was July. So I'll go back to that date, <laughs> right? but when I look at that date and when I look at what followed, man, that just started the journey. I was not there. So it's a point in time in the past where our conversion began. It is a a present reality that God is working out our conversion in walking with him today. He is growing us up. So I don't know anybody that has grown to the maturity of their final breath at their first breath right you have all of those moments in between and some take responsibility for that and cooperate with god and some fight against it right and so at the final breath they might say wow i could have come a lot further right but but nonetheless it's a present reality conversion is but it's also a future state that we understand and the bible tells us that it gives us all three tenses where we have a, a hope that we look forward to where when Christ appears in his glory, which is the glory of eternal life, having an eternal body, we will appear as he is. That's what it tells us in Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 4. So that's a, a future hope that conversion will come to a completion. Right? But we need to understand that it's a process. And that sometimes troubles us. Daniel? Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's okay. If that it comes to you, raise your hand <laughs> back. Oh, it, uh, it, it troubles me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I remember. As the author of Hebrews right, uh-huh. taught,
2: gives us um, a list of individuals that um, were undergoing that conversion by faith, right? And that um, that's how you walk, by faith, that And with all these witnesses, you know, therefore let us lay aside these things that, you know, keep us from our walk and walk with, you know, assurance because Jesus did it all the way to the cross.
0: Indeed. And, And what you see, so what you would call there, that assurance, is in God's faithfulness. So I go back to the psalm again. And what is the first thing that he appeals to? Answer me in your faithfulness. See, God is a promise keeper. He made a promise, and he's going to keep it. And he is keeping it. And he kept it. Right? So, that's, that's important in understanding who God is and what he's doing, which is part of understanding our identity in Christ. Which is why Paul took three chapters just going through that theological aspect of who we are in Christ. Before he turns to the Christian ethic, how now shall we walk? Right? How now <coughs> shall we shall we respond to this truth?
2: It's interesting. It's like he goes. It's like it goes backwards logically
0: from like something that we were. If we were doing it ourselves, we'd go the other way. But sure, God, we, we we put together the plan. Yeah. right which would have a whole bunch of steps in it and as right. we marched through the steps we would check them off right right so we'd he get to the end of why, our plan and we would be no better off than in the beginning in chapter 1 <laughs> he starts to say why he tells us why yeah. or for what reason for, and then he tells us yeah after. And that's because god has an eternal plan <clears throat> from before the foundation of the world right. he called yeah, us crazy. right yeah. <clears throat> tim you were you were commenting and actually i was i was meditating on this specifically because this is where the, the rubber meets the road part. Yeah.
3: I'm not doing so well. So I think I told you last week that mm-hmm. I've just been having a sewer problem, right? Right. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so overall I've been blessed. Really, I have. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you'd think I'd be relatively mature in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You mean when you're responding to the (laughs) sewer Yeah, I love you, man. So so here's this whole thing about walking worthy, you know. Yep. And uh, that's verse 1. 13 is why to be a mature man. Right. It's about maturity. Mm Mm-hmm. In 24, it's like, you know, we're putting on a new self. Right. The likeness of God, okay? Yep. Now I'd like to say (laughs) I'm trying to do that, but I'm telling you, verse 29 says, let no unwholesome earth proceed from your (laughs) mouth. Okay, back to my sewer problem. (laughs) Uh, You know, the the fact is
0: my my heart still isn't right. Right. I I can't put on the armor if you're not mature. Right. Right. Um, you got to get on the inside, and that's and that's why Paul picked this particular order because you actually hit it right on the nose. And the reason why I started with Psalm one forty three because where we stand oftentimes is crying out like David. It's like I'm being crushed here, Lord. I am so unworthy and unrighteous, and I stand in the presence of Your righteousness and Your worthiness, and I am not worthy to walk in a manner uh, to which I have been called, right? And yet, what Paul wants us to understand is that, um, and he gives us kind of this theological introduction of ethic in the first 16 verses of chapter 4. So he hasn't got to the how yet. Um, And what he starts getting to the how is in verse 17, and that's what we covered last week. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the what, and then I'm going to read the how. And we're going to pick up at verse 25 this morning. So we read through chapter 4, and I'm I'm actually going to read... um, I'll I'll give some commentary as I go through. Uh, So Paul speaks in long sentences, and we divide it up into (laughs) smaller paragraphs. It says in chapter 4, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called... With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were also called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, And he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also. He who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It's like wow, that's an incredible um, what of, of Christian ethic and the church's outworking in the in the world, right? As well as. Not just unity in this world um, for the purpose of being the hands and feet of Christ, but also unity with Christ in all eternity. There's just chock-packed, is packed chock-full here of incredible truth. And we unpacked some of that as we move through it. And I'm not going to regress to that unless you guys ask a specific question. But what he set the, the, uh, the frame for here is for what is going to follow. So now we get into the how. How do we do this? How do we answer to this high call? How do we become worthy? How do we um, mature such that we can participate in building up this body in love? So he goes on to say this, and and he's going to break us up into walk differently and walk righteously. And what you're going to see is walk differently is uh, verses 17 through 24. And for Paul, this is two sentences. And we break it up into two paragraphs. That's the way Paul is. He writes in long sentences. So here's the first sentence. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So there's a comparison contrast here. We're to look at the way of the world and we're to walk differently. And he kind of lays out this this terrible picture of the Gentile. right? And what I would say is he includes himself in this picture at various points. He's not here. Rather, he's drawing a broad picture of the way of the world. And he captures it in this, um, this way of darkened understanding, being separated from God. And he, the reason he picks on the Gentile here is because the, the one who we call the Jew today was to be enlightened was not to be darkened in their understanding, but rather having received the revelation of who God is, they were to um, walk as a nation of priests in the world where a priest is mediating between the people and God. Right. So the first thing he does is he throws out uh, this contrast that we should not walk as the Gentiles walk, which, by the way, we were, but rather we should walk as enlightened, right? And then here's his second sentence, which is walk differently. It says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as uh, truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I added a little bit of interpretation there. It should be um, which in God has been created in righteousness and holiness, and that's true, but I, uh, we actually are image bearers. So I added an extra word there. So, um, And what I would say is that your uh, translators interpret according to bias and part of their bias here in in, uh, new american standard is in the likeness of god because they're trying to express that this is an image issue that we are god's children created in his image and we have certain communicable attributes when we are redeemed we have communicable attributes even when we're not redeemed but when we are redeemed specifically we can reflect his righteousness we can reflect reflect his graciousness. We can do that in uh, faith, hope, love, truth, and grace. Right. So, what trouble? What is troubling, and for from your comment, uh, Tim, is this putting on the new self, putting off the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit, and putting on uh, the new self. So shouldn't the old self go away? <laughs> <laughs> so Not so <laughs> what I would say, what I would say, yeah. So again, let's let's look at, this is talking about conversion. And he's going to give us specifics here in verses 25 through verse 5-2. Okay. So that's where he gets into the specifics of what it means to put off the old and put on the new. So first he's giving a, uh, a picture, and part of this picture is like a picture of baptism, right? So when we're baptized, we are baptized into Christ's death. Now, what does that mean that we're baptized into death? Yeah. We're very United, United with you know. baptism, so that Christ was right from the death through the glory of the Father, because you might walk into right. Life. So, so being baptized into Christ's death. Yeah. I, I heard some some others speak up. United. Mm-hmm. United, So there's a unity with Christ in that we are actually um, embracing him um, as our savior. He is standing in our place, right? So we understand that there's, a, an, un, there's a, an aspect of um, substitution involved that is very intimate, very intimate. Christ died for all, but Christ died for me. Christ died for you, right? And that's a very intimate connection um, and a substitution where he actually died my death. And we read that he took on my sin and my guilt. So when I read through at different parts of the Bible and I see what does it mean that Christ dies? It means that my sin, which was not his sin, He was completely sinless. In fact, he's the only one that could actually take on my sin because he was sinless. He took my sin and the guilt associated with my sin. And in that, I was buried with Christ. His death is my death. My sin and my guilt is buried in his death. And then I am raised in new life. So you have this this old man that is corrupt and is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. So you see um, a present tense here, right? And that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind by putting on the new self. That we are to be raised with Christ into that place where when he stands before God having taken our sin upon himself he has no sin of his own but he has our sin. When he stands before the Father in judgment the Father can declare him not guilty because he the sin was not his. It was ours but he bore it for us. And he paid the penalty fully for that. And when God says not guilty His not guilt transfers to me as not guilt. I am justified. Not just as if I had not sinned, but my guilt has been borne by another. I have been buried in his death. He took my guilt. And I have been raised in his life. When Paul, when he says, we're raised in justification in new life, Right? There's other verses, which I can point you to, that actually say that. That's what it's talking about. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man. It's part of our identity, but it's an identity that translates into how we walk in the world. And that's what he's going to now problem. unpack. But so, but that is the problem, yes. Yeah. That is All the right. very problem.
3: So, I mean, I understand pretty fully uh-huh. that I'm under Jesus' blood. He... he I can only be whole, you know, through that blood. I understand that. My problem is, okay, you're supposed to become this new man, this mature man. You're supposed to be on this road, right? I call it, I guess, to yep. being more mature and being more Christ-like. Right. And so I go the next step. I mean, back to my story last week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopefully, no unwholesome word came out of my mouth. I can't guarantee that it didn't. But the problem is my mind. It was in my mind. Yes. And so it's just like, you know, Jesus says, when you look on the wall I and mean, you know, you've already committed the sin. Right. you look at your brother and you're angry, and you've already committed. So I'm looking at myself going, you know, wait, <laughs> okay, I don't know what I said. Anything bad or not? But boy, I sure thought it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so what's the... I've done that, and it slips out. So why is that? That's the old man. That that (laughs) is the old man, but you'll notice that it's a present tense here. Putting aside... So, so that's a that's a present. It doesn't say having put aside. I put aside, but it's he, coming back. Well, that's the thing. So, so we were baptized. We were baptized into Christ's death, which means that should be dead. That old yeah. man should be dead. Yeah, but he's a good swimmer, right? And he's trying to swim and struggle out of that. He doesn't want to die,
4: right? That's like the doo doo.
0: See, I, I think he, he helps him this question here in verse 18, where it says, They, referring to this first group, are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the light of God because
5: of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And I think that it's important for us to realize, as Tim as does, that. When my heart is hard i really don't care right. about what god wants me to do right but the spirit living in me makes me care
0: even when i don't want to do it <laughs> exactly and exactly evidence, yes we're always going to have to struggle yes but we are the always going to have struggle the spirit is there to convict me of sin and to bring me around right. to deal with it Exactly, and we hate Rock, conviction, we but nonetheless, the it's for our own. <laughs> well, okay, okay. So, so this is the first do. This is this is how we do that. We put off the old, we put on the new. We're baptized into His death. We're raised into His life, which is eternal life, right? That this is a present um, process of conversion that God is working in our life daily. That you actually care. Because the Spirit is there. Bearing witness to our sin and also bearing witness to the truth of God's love and God's grace. But just right?
1: in Romans uh,
0: 7, 15 on, why do I do the things that I don't you know, yes. do? Yes. yes. Yeah. You really end up doing that. And, and, and I, I call that the doo-doo chapter. Probably, <laughs> perfectly applicable to our super
1: problem. Uh, yeah.
0: I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to yeah. do, and here well, I, I find so. myself standing in a pile of doo What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, will, I wanted to yeah. read
2: a little the very end of that, how, we, how it summed <laughs> up to Tim that uh, Paul says, I find that the principle that evil is present in me one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man which is wanting to walk worthy in the spirit. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my
0: mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members of the So, So there's a, a key phrase in there, the laws of my mind. Right? So part of conversion is that you start thinking differently. God doesn't just deal with one part of you. He deals with all of you. And part of the problem is what's going on here, in addition to what was going on here. I now have a new heart, but he's got to also penetrate the way that I think, because the way that I think affects the way that I act, and the way that I act affects um, the habits that I keep, and the ultimate destiny that I live out.
2: Wouldn't these um, life issues that we encounter every day Aren't those part of
1: God's um, training us?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Exercising
0: us? Yes. So, um, so, so, so I've been I've been standing in the pile of dew with him on many occasions in my life. And um, it occurs, and I know what goes on in my head. And occasionally, in the privacy of my car, um, it would come out of my mouth, right? Um, and, and I'm not proud of that. And what happens is the Holy Spirit says, Dave... What are you doing, man? Um, how are you being an imitator of God, which is what he's going towards here, right? So when I look at the dues here, it says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood. So if we got a problem in our head, speak truth to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must no longer steal. But rather, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. How can you serve if all you are is a consumer? You have to be a producer, right? You have to take these things into account. You have to look at what anger means. And some would say, oh, this is talking about uh, a righteous anger. Is there uh, a right kind of anger? Is there a legitimate anger? And I, I would say, yeah, there is legitimate anger. Although this is not going to uh, legitimate anger. This is saying when anger occurs, because that plumbing problem, which I just spent uh, 24 hours working on, and it's still leaking, right? I get angry. I get angry at that joint that's not sealing, right? And it's like, it's not the joint's fault. And in many ways, well, it might be, yeah. Um, it, you know, but, but there, are, there are these training grounds that God gives us. He doesn't solve all of the dilemmas that we have as we walk in the world. Um, but what he does, he says, don't worry, I'm right there with you. To get us to the point where we are able to serve one another and those that are lost and going to be eternally separated from God in a way that we will lay down our life, whatever that means, for that one, that we will be imitators of God. So, how do you do that? Well, you pay attention. First, you want to strengthen yourself by um, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. And this is talking about, this is actually a quotation out of Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16, where it's talking about the restoration of Jerusalem right so what has happened is Jerusalem has been destroyed and is is talking prophetically and in many ways eschatologically about what occurs in the very end time right one of the things that occurs is that there's a transformation uh, within the the Hebrews the Jewish nations remnant of, of their heart where they turn and they see Messiah, and they want to participate in the goodness that God is bringing about in the world, the restoration. And and the first thing that they do is they speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. They're proclaiming the goodness of God. So if you want to know how to become the goodness of God, proclaim it. Proclaim His goodness, not your own. Proclaim His goodness. For we are members one of another. And be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Right? So this is talking about specific things that we can do in order to be holy as he is holy. So this is, this is and this is hard. It's like, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you'll never get angry, Tim. Um, but when you get angry and that conversation is going in your mind, what are you going to do with that? That's what it's saying. What are you going to do with it when it happens? Sometimes we're going to fail. It's going to squeak out. And hopefully my windows are up and my doors are closed. Because right? it happens. It's a, it's a present process. God is doing
2: it that
0: here. <laughs> you know, I, have, I have no bumper sticker no none of that stuff because I don't want to bring shame to my Lord because of my personal failure. I do want to proclaim God but I'll proclaim God by um, the, the way that I live um, for him that brings glory and honor to him, not through a bumper sticker on my car. Right? bumper sticker on my car saying believe the, believe the bumper don't look at me right? it's like no 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 I need to change I need to grow up such that regardless of where I am even in my failure they'll see the Lord's redemption and redemptive message to the world
5: when we
0: realize that our heart has
5: been changed by the spirit then when I respond in a way that is unbecoming that's when he reminds us here in verse 30. He says that we are not to grieve this Christian brother. How do right. I grieve him? By not confessing, not repenting. Right. Not coming back to him. And, you know, there's very few verses, really, between this realizing my heart is different now and God is convicting me of sin. And when he does that, he wants me to respond immediately right. by repenting and confessing. And not stay in that position, and that's how I grow. I grow the 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 process of getting mad lessens, right? As I realize that the Spirit is there and available to me, and I confess my sin,
0: I deal with it,
5: ask for His help, and move on.
0: Right. I try to do better with the help of the Spirit. And and when the Spirit to help us, to strengthen us, to cause us to grow up, convicts us of sin. Um. What we do with that is vitally important.
2: So, the, in the, the um uh, law, they would, they would have a sacrifice for um, realized unintentional sin, right? Like once you realize right. that this, this, you're sinning, you can go right forthwith
0: and have make a sacrifice for spiritual mm-hmm. for, for, for <laughs> your main relationship, which is confession right. in this case. Right. That that act of confession. And just because you confess doesn't mean that you don't fall right back into it, because then the spirit will come right back and say, "What did we just say?" Right? And that feel, does not feel good. Right? Does not feel good to be convicted of sin. But God cares so much that He will work to convict us of sin, to cause us to confess and embrace the the graciousness. Of, of who he is in our redemption, what Jesus did for us. So we immediately turn to Christ. That's what uh, re, um, repentance is, right? It means to turn. So when you understand the truth about what is what is the nature of reality, it's like, who? That's what Job did. Ooh, right? Okay. And we turn the to the Christ. Out of not... Keep going all the way around. Right. right. And, that,
5: and there are many times,
0: many times we have the momentum right on the And the reason why is because that, that old man is a good tremor. Right? He keeps wanting to raise his
4: head. Uh, Dave, I think this is such a great example of those verses there. He gave some of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers So good the saints for the works of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of
3: the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we will no longer be children. You know the verses
4: we read, them, but as I hear the different people in the body expressing those things, I see that working itself out. I see the the different gifting of of the things that are set here for the encouraging of the body until we all grow up in the unity of the faith and and in becoming mature and complete not lacking anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And one one other quick comment, um, I love how he starts this with a prayer. And in my mind I'm picturing Tim working in the sewer. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's that picture. <laughs> <laughs> for, <clears throat> for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you that you may I'm sorry, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be built up with all the fullness of God. Now, it's not to you to get better, and better, and better, but now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask for think, according to the power of work within us. To Him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and every men. Yeah. My dad, when, <laughs> we have a family story. We had a sewer in a home we'd lived in about 20 years, and he was outside singing, Will you please forgive me? There's no children here. Mm-hmm.
3: But he was singing, This is
4: terrible,
3: but yeah. it's true. He was singing, working in the PISS, working in, mm-hmm. and he was singing it, and
4: laughing. <laughs> and Tim, mm-hmm. when you tell me that story, it's like, I've been there. I know and my dad was singing this song, but um, I think that we experience God's grace sometimes the most when
0: we're in <laughs> Right? Right. That's, that's uh, Psalm 40, you know. I cried out to the, to the Lord. And he heard my cry and pulled me up out of the muck in the mire, pulled me out of the sewer. Right? and put my feet upon a solid rock and put a new song in my mouth.
2: Mm-hmm. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people.
0: Right. I mean, there's all these affirmations about our identity in Christ, and then there's there's some some very specific things that we can work on. One is to become producers rather than consumers. <laughs> we live in a consumer culture, and yet we are called to be producers, which is you know, when I think of fairness as the world calls fair, it seems really unfair to me. Why should I be producing all this for others that don't care to consume? Because you're not of the world. That's right. And that production takes a a lot of different forms. It means to um, in this case, in order to, if one steals they need to don't do it. Right? Because they need to work. They rather labor, performing with their own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So there are genuine needs that the Lord has called us to in this world. Those needs may be uh, broader than just the things that our culture identifies as needs. So we identify a lack of money as need. That is true. Someone who has nothing and isn't able to feed themselves needs to be fed needs to be sheltered and and we're encouraged to do that but there's also a variety of other kinds of needs that people have and we need to look at those things in our life that block us from being able to be a servant to them and i i challenge you to think of all the different things that we do where we are either passive or a consumer rather than a producer, an active servant to address the true needs in the world. And and we happen to live in a culture that's centered around um, material wealth and that that can skew us to thinking that's all there is as a need. There are incredible needs in the world. One of them might be to stand in the muck and the mire with my brother Tim and sing with him a new song.
4: <laughs> Not the one my
0: dad does. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I I'm just throwing out there are a variety of different ways that the Lord has actually called us Amen. to be servants and to lay down our life for one another. And that one of the, the great areas of reflection has to do with what proceeds out of our mouth. James talks about that, right? And he says, and and, and man, this one, this is like that major conviction, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. According to the need of the moment is added by the uh, translator, the interpreter in my NASB, because they want to reflect the tense They want to reflect that this is a present need and that the present need wasn't something that was written about um, 5,000 years ago and that that need became (coughs) etched and that it never progresses. But rather, needs are emergent. There's
2: spiritual needs
0: too. There's, yes, absolutely. And in fact, I would argue in many cases, the spiritual need is greater than the physical need. But sometimes you have to address the physical need or the spiritual need can never be met. that's another thing we've alienated
2: ourselves as a culture is from we can't even we don't even grasp something outside of the flesh like resurrection or
0: life right you know. Is in the ground rotted that's it material and indeed and, and so we're to reflect on these things for the purpose of action right so Paul's writing this now he's given us this is our Christian ethic this is what we're about Oh, by the way, it has to do with putting off the old and putting on the new. Um, How do you do that? Well, speak the truth. um, Don't sin in anger. Don't steal. um, Watch your language. Um, and And the purpose of that is so that it will give grace to those who hear. Right? That Christian distinctive. Just as God is gracious to us, we need to reflect that same graciousness. In those that we deal with now, is this a, a, a keep track of in a legal sense? Like, do I have a recorder on all the time, and at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I go through and it's like, oh, there was a moment that I could have sworn and I didn't, and oh, there was a moment that I could have sworn <laughs> and I did, right? No, no, no. It's not a matter of keeping a tally. a lot you can't spell grace without gray. That's right. Rather, what's, what's going on here is that it's a, it's a renewing of your mind, right? It's taking what's in your heart, and it's moving it up a few inches. And that that's what's going on here, and that it's a continual process. It isn't something that you're already there. If you were already there, he wouldn't be writing this, right? And so he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? What do you think? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? If this is the spirit when you that is, is the agent of your redemption. Let's say, for example, you're in your sewer
2: and you're, bent and you're thinking in your mind, you're about to... You're about to... You know, freak out, and then you know, the spirit's there saying, you know, just don't, and you know, you're like, whatever, dude, and then you freak out anyway. That would be probably when you sense push sense. it, when you push aside that his voice or his direction and just do your own thing, anyway, when, when you do this, especially because you are um, purposely right. being disobedient sinning, when you know that what
0: you're about to do. It's right, not what you should do and you no say no I'm going to do it anyway that's right so there have been times in my life which I'm ashamed I'm ashamed to admit that um, the Holy Spirit has clearly spoken to me and I've said yeah that's that's good information God mm-hmm. and I continued on my own way and what happens is is that the Lord didn't let me forget those things because I asked him not to he said Lord don't let me forget what you're doing in my life right now at the point of redemption and uh and so I, I don't forget those moments that I grieve the spirit um, for my own good right because I know I'm, I'm fully capable of doing that to God saying yeah that's good information now leave me alone I'm going to continue on the course that I've determined is right and good even though I know it's not right and good even I though I know it's not right, right and good Yeah, truly but nonetheless by golly I've chosen this this is my choice get out of my way Right, and I've I've done that, and I hope none of you have done that. But I suspect probably, oh yeah, so yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and and that I know that I have grieved the spirit by la, 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 la. <laughs> right. I know that I have grieved the spirit by not repenting once I came to a full understanding. Paul
5: tells us that every son whom I love, <clears throat> me,
0: I just love. yes, and
5: the first thing that I need to remember is fact that he does discipline me means that he does dwell within me. Yes. And uh, that's a good sign. When I am like Tim, Tim I'm aware of what I should do.
0: The spirit is speaking that's a good sign. And I then need to be responsive to the spirit I don't right. I have an opportunity here. Right. And and we are not going to be perfect in this. Yes. We need to understand that. I wish we could be. He's the vine dresser. He is the vine dresser. He is pruning to bring forth good fruit, right? We don't get him on guard. I mean, yeah. he's not, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no surprises. He's, he's
5: very much aware. That's
0: right. Hey, no surprises. And in and, and many ways, it's kind of like our kids, you know, when they're growing up and, and we know that um, they're going to make some foibles. Right? Like the first time your child lies to you, you know, it's almost humorous, right? But it's also grieving uh, because you, you know they're not skilled at lying yet. They will become, some. but nonetheless, you you see that and and that grieves your heart, right? But you correct because you love them, and it's not because you're trying to show that you're omniscient, but because you actually want to bring good fruit. You want to bring life where there is death. And so that's that's what that's about. Don't (laughs) grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So he's giving you that future promise that this agent of your redemption is going to bring about your full, full redemption. And when Christ appears, we will, in his glory, we will be like him. We will appear with him. That his life is our life. And I could go through that verse in, in Colossians to show you the grammatical structure. It's like his very life, which is eternal, is the life which is given to us. And what we need to do is we need to understand God's not busy yet. Not busy. Uh, com- completed yet. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And I know I'm out of time. <laughs> I need a placard. But, but I'm so, Five, but four, I'm four, so four four close. <laughs>
4: so <laughs> close. Right? Tune in next week. Malice
0: is a terrible thing. Malice means there is intent to harm. Right? Put intent to harm away from you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Like father, like son. Imitate the one who is our creator. The one who is our life. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. It's a good place to stop for the day. And this is there's lots of stuff to think about here. Because this is not a complete list like you've got a law that you need to check off and keep. Rather, this is the conversion process that starts here, and it takes over the whole. It's so a so renewing well, of your mind. I just learned that my aroma to God wasn't the fragrance so, uh, literally. Uh, and, anyway, so I... And one of the bigger problems is that we're really you defeated. Know? So the next day, it's like, oh, wait, I'm not doing so well. <laughs> but, uh, so there's opportunity for confession. And, you know, I think God really loves it when we come to him. And we give him open-handed our broken toys. Right? Um, there's lots of images of, of that. Let's go ahead and close with prayer. and uh, I want you to all pray for one another this week, that um, as a church body, that we would come together to strengthen and to share the truth in love, that we would do that in such a way that to be an encouragement, that we would be a servant to our brother and our sister um, to build up the body in maturity. Lord, let's, uh, Lord I'm so thankful for what um, you're doing in our lives, that it's not that you're not finished yet, that there's an ongoing process, um, and that even though um, I'm very aware of the conviction that you have in my life of sin and that you're trying to change in me, not trying, but doing, um, Lord, I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that as (coughs) folks in this room ponder this passage, um, that it becomes very real to them that they uh, consider the uh, events of their life and the opportunities that they have to grow up in service Lord um, and that you would give them the strength of your spirit both in uh, the strength to uh, repent, the strength to hold on in faith to the conversion which you're doing in us, um, the strength to uh, speak boldly for you, to stand boldly for you in a world that is so totally the opposite um, that it does not Uh, encourage that or reward that in any way so as a result we experience um, persecution just as you were persecuted and rejected lord uh, we know that that will happen in in times of our life and that that you bring strength in that as well as we move towards taking a stand as we grow up in maturity lord help us truly understand what that maturity is and not just understand it but live it out lord we uh, ask that you be with uh, bob this morning as he shares your word From the Psalms, Lord, we ask that uh, you continue to provide and protect us. Provide for us and protect us. This is a crazy world, and we need uh, you every instant. And uh, help us not to plug plug our ears to your voice, but to hear continually that which you're speaking to us. Lord, we thank you for all this, and we thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you cared so much that you would come and die for us. Thank you for all this, in your name we pray.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm.